I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I feel pretty confident that I've said that Tom Peters is on my personal Mount Rushmore, right? I've said this many times. I feel pretty good about that. And one of the reasons why I feel like he's absolutely one of the most important four people to my professional career in terms of thinking, in terms of applications and all that wonderful stuff is because occasionally he has asked a simple question like this. Hey, Tom, you seem to talk a lot about people, not as much about the actual businesses themselves. Why is that, Tom? And Tom gets this question a lot. I've heard him answer it a couple different times. And depending on how salty he's feeling, he will answer it a number of different ways, but ultimately in the same way. And that is, what the hell else is there? That's true, right? There is no such thing as a business without people. There is no such, there's no workers, there's no leadership, there's no management, there's no one to collect the paychecks, there's no one to collect the accounts payable or accounts receivable, there's no one to make the product, there's no one to market the product, there's no one to sell the product. Without people, there is no business. Why is people important? Because what the hell else is there? You're 100% right, Tom. And that's why I think lately, I've been a little enamored with a really... I don't know, either boring idea or really interesting idea. You know, some of these, sometimes the most boring things are the most profound, right? Uh, and I'm not high, by the way. I, I'm not, you know, looking at my hands going, cool. It's, this is just something that's been percolating in my head for a while. And it's this idea that, you know, we talk about employer brand. We talk about employer branding. Some people call it talent brand. I've heard it called employment brand. I'm not sure I like the employment brand. I think that's weird. (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. But every once in a while, someone refers to it as the people brand. And I'm becoming more and more inclined to think that those people are right, that that's what employer brand is. And that's what I want to talk about today. It's not just about employer brand. That employer brand is very easy to let leadership, let management pigeonhole us into funnel fillers. You're an employer brand or employment employment brand person, fill it with employees. There you go. That's your job. Just the same way as a consumer brand person is there to fill it with customers, you're just there to fill the top of the funnel. Bring me applicants. Bring me prospects. And I think that's 100% wrong. Oh, man, do I think that's wrong. And that's what we're going to talk about today when we get back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. And I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hello, James Ellis, recording live from Chicago as per usual. The housekeeping is as follows. First off, I've turned the air conditioner off. Why is this important? Well, for people who listened to the last episode, the air conditioner kept turning on and off, and 
just trying to figure out how to mess with Audacity to try and mitigate its, you know, general drone was pretty much painful. So I'll sweat for you for the next 30 minutes or so. There you go. That's how much I care about my listeners. That's how much I care about you. Anyway, all other housekeeping notes. The headlines, the employer brand headlines newsletter, it turns one year old this week. <laughs> I mean, Yowza. So as a kind of celebration, I've decided to take it a little more seriously. I'm pulling it out of the old platform. I'm putting it on a new platform. Yes, I'm paying for it. No, the newsletter is not sponsored. I, No one's offered. So if you like to sponsor it, let's talk about it. But right now it's not sponsored and I'm fine to pay, you know, 10 bucks a month to, to roll this newsletter out. So it's gonna be a little prettier, it's gonna be a little more interesting, hopefully. It's gonna be more the same old me, same old content, same old useful stuff. I may or may not keep the cocktails, I don't know. Uh, but that's, we're changing it. So if you wanna subscribe, it's employerbrand.news. Just go to the thing, find the little form, put your name in it, boom, there it is. Once a week, every Monday morning, lots of fun news. Also, as if you don't get enough of me, <laughs> and. Lord knows you probably should. Uh, I got a couple of speaking gigs online coming up. So this week for the day job over at Universum, I'm doing a DNI data-driven thing with uh, my friend Gabe uh, Hitt, who is uh, who's also at Universum. He's fantastic. You don't know him because he doesn't. He's not a, as gregarious as I am. He's not out. He's not a loudmouth like I am. But man, is he smart. And so I am thrilled that he's going to join us. Also, Torin Ellis, who you as you know is not related to me, but is amazing. I refer to him lovingly as the only guy I will not follow on stage. <laughs> I feel pretty confident that I can hold my own against most people, not Torin. Torin's, Torin's my, Torin's, uh, he is the, the, the Jimi Hendrix to my who, as it were. So I cannot, I will not follow him. Anyway, we're talking about DNI data and we're doing that Thursday. I'll put a link in the show notes. Otherwise, the rest of the month I've got uh, HRTX is doing a virtual thing. You should definitely sign up July 30th. And then for my friend Jen Dewar, I'm doing a good hire thing on, I don't know when that is. I can't remember when the date is, but it's coming up. I'll put a link in the show notes. Otherwise, here we are. Oh yeah, buy a book. Buy two books. I have those. Talent chooses you. It's a big book. It's fifteen bucks in paperback. It's like nine bucks for you know e-copy or whatever it is. Um, otherwise, if you want the handbook, the employer brand handbook, all tactics all the time. Yeah, do that. Anyway, let's get back to the people brand. Okay, so just I think there have been a couple of different flies in my particular cookie jar lately about things that I feel like I can't quite bucket. They're, they're good ideas, they're interesting ideas, and I can't quite figure out how to think through them. And I, I just wanna talk to you about a couple of them because I think the umbrella has finally revealed itself, and it's that umbrella of thinking of ourselves as people branders, which has some weird connotations, but I think, it, like I said, it definitely gets us away from this idea of the people who fill the funnel, right? Two years ago, the challenge was, how do you get leadership to see us as more than the swag mavens, the swag merchants, right? Now it's about how do you get leadership to see us as more than just the people who fill the funnel? Because we are. If, you, if, if you've been told that that's what your job is, it's not. I mean, it could be, but it should be a lot more. Really, that's where recruitment marketing employer brand kind of live in the same spot. They kind of see the same problem. They approach it from slightly different directions, but it's simply about how do I drive applications? But I think there's a lot of other stuff at play. And sometimes we talk about it as retention and sometimes we talk about it as engagement. And those are nice, easy labels to apply. Of course, they're hard to measure and they're really hard to get an ROI. Like for example, engagement. Everybody knows 
then engaged employees give more, do more, are more, be more, all that good stuff. Every company wants more engagement. Every company wants more engaged people. And yet the data is staggering, staggering. I'm not kidding, right? Like I've seen anywhere from data that says anywhere from 70 to 80% of all employees are unengaged or not particularly engaged or actively disengaged. That's painful to think that 20 or 30% of the people around you actually like working, actually like doing the job, actually like showing up every morning. That's ugly. And I, I still believe, and I've said it before, but I still believe that very, 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 very few people, certainly not 70%, very few people wake up in the morning and go, you know what I want to do? I can't wait to hate my job. Oh, I can't wait to hate my boss. I cannot wait to not, to show up at my, and just do the bare minimum. I can't wait to just do the bare minimum. I don't think most people are like that. I think people want to do more. They want to be engaged. But for some reason, there's some sort of weird common denominator, the company, that makes them unengaged, that makes them kind of disconnect from that work. And I think that's unfortunate. Now, the problem, of course, is let's say you have a magic wand. You got it on Amazon, I'm guessing, because that's where everybody gets everything these days, it seems. You have yourself a magic wand. It wasn't even a commercial for Amazon. And yet somehow we all know it wasn't a commercial, right? They don't do that sort of thing with people like me. That's fine. <laughs> I'm taking that again. So let's say you have a magic wand. I've, give, I've, I've managed to deliver onto you a magic wand and you can change your company from 70% un or actively disengaged to 10% disengaged or unengaged, right? Flipping the whole script. You suddenly have 60% of your staff are actively engaged at work. That's amazing. How do you measure that? What's the outcome, right? You can't anticipate what that is. I mean, I can anticipate it anecdotally, I can tell you, you're probably going to get more people showing up to meetings. They're going to actively have interesting meetings. You're going to come up with better products. You're going to come up with better solutions to products. You're going to solve customer problems faster and better and more effectively and not just check in the box and not how do I shove these people out the door as fast as I humanly possibly can, but about actually helping people. So they want to come back. So they want to do more. That's what you're going to get. So tell me how, what's the dollar amount for that? What's the dollar figure apply to that? There isn't one, and you certainly can't predict it, and that's why employee engagement kind of gets the short end of the stick. Everybody wants it, nobody knows how to justify it, so nobody does much, right? So employer, so people brand is this idea that thinking about employer brand beyond the swag, beyond the top of the funnel, it is even beyond engagement. I'd like us to have a second to think about an idea. And it's connected, don't worry, I haven't tripped, I haven't inserted the wrong file into this process. And I would like you to think about whatever company you work for, whatever company whose employer brand you oversee, you own, you manage, whatever the word you wanna use is, think about the company and think about the people inside the company because, thank you Tom, what else is there? So let's say you work for a Google. And I'm using them because I don't know anybody who works at Google, just so we know, I'm crystal clear, I don't have any insight knowledge what's into their world whatsoever. But you know, the people who work at Google call themselves Googlers. Everybody had that conversation internally about what you call yourselves. If you work at company X, how do you refer to yourself as someone who works at company X? Right, when I was at Groupon, were, were, we, were, were we groupies? Were we Groupons? Were we Grouptonians? You know, there's lots of different permutations. And it turns out the Australian, Australians and the Kiwis called themselves groupies. And the rest of us went, no, we're not doing that. And I don't think the Australians quite understood why. 
but you end up with a term for how you describe people who work at that company. And I think that this isn't just random. I think there's, there's something there because when you refer to yourself as a Googler, when you refer to yourself as an Amazonian, I'm presuming that's what Amazon people call themselves. I mean, what else would you call yourself but an Amazonian? Amazonian. Uh, you know, there's a Wonder Woman thing, which is kind of cool there, but whatever. It, once you start to refer yourself as to that, and you start to think, and the, the individual starts to refer to themselves as that thing, what does that label mean? Not, this is a person who works there, but what does it mean to call yourself a Googler? What does it mean to call yourself an Amazonian? What does it mean to call yourself, I don't know, someone from Delta, someone from United, someone from Boeing, someone from Ford, someone from Apple, I don't care, pick it, who cares? What does it mean to call yourself that, right? There are people who work at hedge funds, Goldman Sachs, you know, companies, super high-end companies who say, because I work at Goldman Sachs, people listen to me. People take me more seriously. People are, are in somewhat in awe, and I am do this job for the prestige so that when people realize, oh, he works for Goldman Sachs, he must be rich and know some stuff about money, ooh, let's be fair, that's a good reason why people show up. What does it mean to call yourself that person? And have you had much thought around what does it mean to call when employees call themselves your company? What does it mean? And have you written down? We want our people to say, because they call themselves Googlers or Facebookers or whatever the heck it is, they see themselves as a little smarter, a little more clever, a little richer, a little faster, a little more, a little kinder, a little smoother, a little more design focused, a little more put together. What are those traits that people, you would want people to see in an idea like, I'm a Googler, I'm an Amazonian. What are those traits? Have you thought about that? Have you spent time kind of documenting that? Have you asked people that? Have you started to do surveys around how do people inside that company see themselves? Because that becomes a seed that you can start to project outside the company and say, if you can become a Googler, you too can be one of the smart, kind, fast, clever, whatever the one, whatever those adjectives are. Instead of saying Google's employer brand is ba 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 get it down to grassroots. Get it down to personal level. When you become a Googler, you are clearly seen as more smart, kind, fun, whatever it is, right? That's the thing. And that is a way of seeing your employer brand. Which is why I want to start calling it a people brand. Because the employer brand says, this is what the company wants. This is what the company is. And the truth is, no one kind of cares. I'm like really shrugging my shoulders in like an 80s comedian kind of way. I'm really saying, nobody really cares what the brand is. No one cares what the logo is. No one cares what the, what the perception is. What they really care about is, how are they seen? You're managing the people's sense of the brand, how it impacts your people, how people outside the company see inside the company, what they want, what they desire inside that company. And when you start to do that, you get to tell people that by joining your company, you will be seen as smarter, faster, kinder, funnier, taller, I don't care, you know, whatever that thing is, 
right? If people inside this company are more blank, thus people joining the company become and own those properties. They, they put it on like a coat. They put it on and say, ah, I am a Googler now, so therefore I must be one of the smart, funny, clever, fast, funny ones, whatever it is, whatever that thing is. And that allows you some opportunities because you can say, now, when you t ask people about where they could work or why they would want to work, what you can really start to do is tell stories about when you start here, you will become more blank. And I find that fascinating. I find that absolutely fascinating. And it creates a lot of alignment across a lot of different the microcultures and all the different locations and all the offices and all the teams and all the, all the different subsets of, 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 of your brand inside the company, right? You can all say that when we join this company, whether you're on the sales team or the legal team, you're all more blank. The people at Facebook, I imagine regardless of what team they're on, they like the idea that they're seen as the kind of people who move fast and break things, or at least they did up until about a year ago, right? People, the lawyers on the Facebook team felt like, yes, from a legal point of view, from a legal stance relative to other lawyers and other companies at other lawyers, they were more in the move fast and break things. There's a projected kind of expectation around that. If you know you're a salesperson, salespeople who are generally pretty good at moving fast and not too bad at breaking things, when they work at Facebook, man, they must be the fastest and the breakiest, right? When lawyers who don't are never rarely known for fast and breaking things, hopefully not the law, moving on. <laughs> but lawyers at Facebook must say, yes, I'm the kind of person who moves fast and break things for a lawyer, right? You can almost insert and project their industry inside that phrasing. And suddenly everybody can say they move fast and break things regardless of what team they're on. It creates a kind of congruence around across all these teams and all these microcultures and all these places and all these offices to say, ah, the people are more of this kind of people, right? And that's what happens when you stop calling it the employer brand, i.e. how to fill the funnel, how to make people become employees, how are we as employer, which by the way, absolutely valid. I just think it's been pigeonholed. I don't, I don't disagree with any of the previous thinking or any of my previous statements around employer brand really is the sense of what it's like to work there informed by touch points and experiences from across your entire history, right? Again, no one wants to work at a cable company having just had to call a cable company, certainly if they like innovation, right? <laughs> it's just one of those things that's really hard to kind of make that sell. Because once you've had a bad phone call with a company, you don't want to work there or you're slightly less inclined for a while, right? There's a half-life to that. It could eventually ends. But none of that stuff is wrong. It's just that it became easier for the rest of the company, specifically leadership and to some extent TA and HR, to say, yeah, that's all nice stuff. But ultimately, the only KPI that counts is that you're bringing in talent, is that you're filling the top of the funnel. And this has been a slow process. It's been happening for a while, right? We as employer branders have been trying really hard to expand the boundaries of what it is we're doing. We were fighting against the swag sense. We were fighting against the, being the person who shows up with t-shirts, right? The rah-rah cheerleader, right? We've talked about this idea of don't be, a don't be a cheerleader, be a champion of the brand. Those are very different things. And to some extent, the company just looked at it and went, yeah, that's cool and all. But the only thing I can really measure here of all these wonderful things that I think you kind of impact, sort of, because it's very amorphous here and very abstract of what you do, is just to say, you know what, funnel. 
<laughs> That's easy to measure. I've got a whole HRIS system dedicated to measuring funnels. I can tell you if you're doing a good job or not, which of course is bullshit. I mean, again, if you haven't heard this argument, more applicants is not the same as a good employer brand. It's not. I'm sorry, do we need to have this conversation again? It's not. If I give you a million applicants, that's not necessarily better. A bigger haystack does not necessitate more needles. And the fact that you can make a bigger haystack means you can get other hay, i.e. people you'd never hire, never want to talk to, into the application funnel. Congratulations. Oh, oh, you've got a quality metric in. I'd love to hear that. Is it based on how long it takes them to hire or how long they, they stick around? Does it mean they show up for 90 days or 180 days or they get promoted? How do you measure that? Because that's in the future. Right? If, you're, if your metric for quality is stays for 90 days, it takes 90 days for anyone to see if your work that you did 90 days ago worked. It's so long a, 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 a feedback cycle that it barely you know, matters. And ultimately, right, if they hired someone and you hi they hired someone and they stayed 90 days, that's a checkbox. That's not a quantity. You didn't bring in 20 people who met that metric. You brought in at least one. Again, you're still talking about a needle, and you don't need multiple needles. You just need the one, regardless of what size that haystack is. So anyway, sorry, soapbox, stepping off. So when people start to think about how they see themselves because they're associated with this brand, and let's remember, there's a whole lot of work and a whole lot of conversation probably about 10 years ago, maybe even a little less, in the marketing side, that branding was a function of emotion. When people said, I like Nike over Adidas, they were telling themselves a story that I'm the kind of person who blah, 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 right? When I buy a Toyota over a Ford, it's because I'm the kind of person who blah, blah, blah. And if I buy a Ford over a Toyota, it's because I'm the kind of person who blah, blah, blah right? That the brand said as much about me as anything because people could see that brand and they could say, oh, he's a Prius owner, Prius owner, whatever you're calling it. He must be a hippie liberal. He must love the, uh, the environment more than, I don't know, putting five people in a car, <laughs> right? And if you're driving a Hummer, oh, you're a conservative person. You must care about your own personal comfort and safety and showing off how big you are rather than saving a, 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 a tree, right? That, isn't that what those choices in cars said? They said as much about you as you meant them to, as, as you wanted them to say. Your choice of brand, your choice of product told the world who you were. And thus, those companies built and reinforced those brands to reinforce that story. You'll notice there was never a Hummer commercial that says, you know what, actually, the fuel mileage, we've worked on it pretty good. We've changed it from a 25 miles an hour, 20, 27 miles an hour. So we actually care about the environment. No, of course they didn't do that. Why? Because the story you tell yourself about buying a Hummer isn't, yeah, it's okay for the environment. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. No, it was, who cares? Who cares about the environment? I wanna look like I have a huge car. There's nothing wrong with it. We're not getting pejorative here. But that was the story people told themselves. And you build and extend that brand by tapping into and reinforcing that story. Why choose Pepsi over Coke? Why choose Coke over Pepsi? Right? It's the story you tell yourself. And so this was this is all baked into brand thinking, or at least was very, very, very uh, hip in the marketing circles for a while. 
And I think it's time for us to figure that stuff out too. I feel like we missed that conversation if it ever happened. What does it mean to say that you're a person who works at your company? Right? This is how you kind of define how you support and connect to the larger corporate brand. I think we generally tend to forget. I know I do on occasion, even though I know this fact not to be true, but I think I forget, and I assume most people forget too, that companies aren't things. You cannot touch a company. You cannot, you know, you can't um, hang out with a company. You can't converse with a company. A company is a legal document. It's a concept driven by a legal document says here are the rights applied to this concept of a group of people. People, there's, there's an interesting word again, the word people. But that really it's in, in service of an, a goal of, of changing money, of creating products, creating service. It's a concept. The company does not exist anywhere except on a piece of paper. I guess these days it's electronic. But still, it's a legal concept. There is no such thing as a, as a company, which is why we create a brand. We've talked about this before. You create a brand so that people can say, oh, I've heard good things about that brand. Therefore, they must be a good company. I guess I'm more willing to engage with them. Right? You don't know anything about the company. You don't know who's, you know, I, I can choose to buy, I don't know, a Ford or a, or a Toyota without having a direct recollection of who the CEO is at any given time. I mean, I happen to know who one of them is, but it's not important that I know all the people who made that product to say, ah, oh, I know all those people. Those people are really good at what they do. Therefore, this product must be good. The brand stands in all that information's stead to say, look, if you believe in a Toyota product, the next Toyota is easy to sell. Why? Because you loved them all before. You don't care who actually built the darn thing, who managed the thing, who designed the thing, who was running the show. But you know that generally this is an organization that generally makes products you like. So therefore, you're going to buy another one. And that's not a Toyota thing. That's any car company. That's any product. So if a company, if a company exists only as a piece of legal documentation, the other, that means the corporate brand is kind of thin too. It's about the products being built, right? You buy that car because again, you don't know the people involved, but you know that the company seems to do good things. Cool. The other side of it, since again, Tom, what else is there but people? Your brand is the other side of that corporate brand. These are the people who support that thing. And I think we're seeing a lot more conversation around this idea of, yeah, I want to buy that product, but it's nice to know that the people who build that product or design that product or sell that product are treated well, are safe when they do their job, right? So tell me, if, is that message a consumer message or is that message an employer brand message? Well, the answer is it's both because there's very little daylight in that space. If all you're talking about is the corporation and the products they make and the features and the, and the amount of quality in that, that's a purely consumer brand. But if you talk about the people who actually do that work, that starts to edge into your territory, or at least you should start making some claims to that territory. And I think the less you talk about it as an employer brand and more as a people brand, that connection becomes more clear. When you talk about it as a people brand, you get to kind of distance yourself from any associations with recruiting or HR, right? You get to say, I'm here to talk about the people who make the products so that we can 
on my side of the house, find more of those people to help us make those products. But now knowing that good people are making those products, you can go sell more products. Now draw a line between those ideas. You can't, or at least you shouldn't. We're entering a world where there's so much information about any, any, you know, any given idea, specifically about companies and brands, that you can't say, okay, on this side of this idea, we're gonna have lots of information. It's a product, here's when it's launched, here's how much it costs, here's all the ratings, here's all the reviews, here's how people use it, here's all the news about it, here's all the press about it, here's the, the chatter around it, and then ignore the other side of it is, yeah, it turns out all their employees are jerks or treated poorly or not paid very well. You can't separate the two. Here, let me give you a really good example of how, what I mean. I want you to tell me what people say about you as an employer. And I'd like you to tell me that based on a Google search, maybe even a Twitter search. Tell me, what would you do? Well, your first instinct is to say, okay, what's it like to work at company? and you throw it in there, and I'm gonna guarantee right now that 90 to 95 to 99% of the returned results will have nothing to do with what it's like to work there, but more about the products, the corporate structure, the news, the scandals, right? If you're working for Honda and you say, I'm gonna manage the Honda employer brand, how do you fill, pull out the information about how people perceive you as an employer versus how people see you as a maker of motorcycles and cars and lawnmowers and all the other stuff Honda makes? How do you do that in a query? Now, I've seen these insanely long query structures that try to say, you know, it's brand plus job or brand plus work or brand plus, but work is a tough one because what happens when my, I, I go to sit in my Civic and I turn the key and the, the Honda doesn't work? And that's why I say, I can't believe these Hondas, they never work. Boom, is that about you or is that about the product? Of course it's about the product. That means that there's a clear connection and more importantly, an impossibility of separating the idea of a consumer brand and a people brand. They are one and the same. And when I say that, it means they should be supporting each other. They should be helping each other. If you know that there are good people and smart people making this product, that should increase sales. As the company increases sales, as the company becomes stronger, better, increases its market share, increases its market success, drives perks back to the employer, employees, that should help uh, create applicants, right? I'm not crazy, am I? That makes sense to you, right? I hope so. So anyway, I, I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I don't have a sense of, okay, congratulations, everybody. Go into your LinkedIn and change your title from owner of you know, global employer brand to owner of global people brand because I think your boss may have some questions, but I think it might be time to start seeing when and where this concept of thinking about what we do as a people brand instead of an employer brand may serve us and serve the company. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just say hello or let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent 
or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.